This is Rugga Matrix America. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Alex Gaw from RugbyMag.com. We're talking Eagles, we're talking Maori, we're talking PPL Park. We're talking 18,500 fans there for one rugby game. And I'm joined as always with Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton. And guys, I'm just going to get right into it because we all in our different ways experienced a pretty big game for the USA that they did lose, but um, was a major event on the calendar. And I think uh, everybody should have a look at Pat Clifton's column that he wrote about uh, international events and uh, the impact of what this means, what this uh, game at PPL Park just outside Philadelphia means. You should check at rugbymag.com and, and have a look at that column because it's uh, it it says a lot of interesting things. But Bruce, you were there. And uh, tell us a little bit about the atmosphere. Sold out crowd, uh, really exciting game, and and a sold out American crowd. It was brilliant. It was one of the best atmospheres that I had seen at a game period. And I've been to Eden Park in New Zealand for a very close Scotland game. I've been all over the world. I've been in Australia. I've been in England. I've I've seen everything, and this game was on par with anything as far as atmosphere. The, I think the thing that really made it even a little bit more special than games overseas was the tailgating component of it, is that they treated it like it was a football game. So people got there and they tailgated and they enjoyed themselves. I personally was at a, a Xavier slash Gonzaga and um, some AC people and, and, and Penn State people that it was fantastic. And, and then going into the stadium and seeing the haka, the national anthems, just the electricity of the crowd, and, 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 and just walking in and seeing all these people that you knew and, and you know, seeing George Betzler, who was a former Eagle coach, and Ray Cornbill and, and Al Little, and, and just seeing all these people as they're walking in and filing into the stadium was a really proud moment for a lot of those guys. I think that... In Pat's article, it's saying the thing about Philadelphia rugby, and especially that area, is it had a really strong history for a while, and it fell off a little bit. I think that had to do with some of the Super League issues that it hurt Philly rugby. And But those older people are involved in rugby, and there's a lot of youth, there's a lot of colleges, there's a lot of schools, there's a lot of people in the Northeast Corridor that it's most of the people who play in American rugby, probably more than half play between Boston and DC. And that's that's how that crowd was that's how that crowd was able to be there. And I will tell you, what an atmosphere. And you could poo-poo things that people do about the way this that the way this event was handled was first class all the way. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And all the people who were part of it. The television, I, I watched it on TV later, and that was fantastic as well. I can't say enough about how well this event was run. There was nothing wrong with it. It was brilliant. And the fans were brilliant, the players were brilliant, and it was brilliant. I love the uh, the passion. I mean, I, I think that's the one thing that, that is 
bothered me about USA games a lot of times is you go there and you you want you you know perhaps the majority of the fans are USA fans, but it's the fans from the other team that are louder and more boisterous. And it was really good to hear loud fans. Um, big thing about uh, these games, get get a good presentation of the national anthems. Uh, a crummy little recording of the national anthems isn't fun. Getting somebody to sing it well live or perform it live is so much better. All right, we're going to be back on Rugged Matrix America, and we'll be talking a little bit about what happened on the field as well as what happened in the stands. Uh, stay tuned to Rugged Matrix America. Rugby fans, don't forget that the USA Sevens International Rugby Tournament is not that far off, but it's not too soon to start clearing your calendar for the biggest rugby party on U.S. soil. The USA Sevens will bring 16 of the best international teams to Las Vegas on January 24th to 26th. Yeah, it's two weeks earlier this time, and don't forget, there's also the Las Vegas Invitational. You're a rugby fan, and you're also a rugby player, and the LVI has competitive opportunities for Sevens, Fifteens, Young, Old, and in between. High level, or just here for the fun. It's all in Las Vegas. Everybody's here for the fun in Las Vegas. Go to usasevens.com for more. We're back on Rugged Matrix America. This is Alex Goff with Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton. Don't forget to check out uh, all the articles and all the news that we have on RugbyMag.com. You can also subscribe to our magazine both on the website or on your tablet. Do a search in your app store for Rugby Magazine or Rugby Mag. And we're talking about the USA versus Maori game and also looking ahead to the 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 Georgia game and the Russia game that are coming up for the USA and on the field. I think, I think one of the things we've been talking about for a while is that uh, this is a national team. We want to see play hard, play competitively, uh, play uh, 80 minutes, play solid defense, but also um, get something going offensively. I, th I think we saw most of that. We didn't see all of it, but uh, in the end, uh, we, what we had was a, a USA team that was down by three points with just a few minutes to go, 22-19. Uh, they give up a try at the end, but we also know that they were right there potentially to win that game. That was a really fun, exciting game to, to watch, but also uh, I think a step ahead on the performance level for the USA. Um, and this despite the fact that, you know, they were missing a few players. So they played without... Samu Manoa, they played without Chris Wiles, without Blaine Scully. Uh, Scott Lavala was hurt. Uh, we know for a long time, Lou Stanfield and Brian Doyle weren't going to play. bunch of guys who are not on that team, uh, Chris Biller and Takun Nguyenia, weren't picked for this team. Still, they're without them. So somebody had to raise their game. And I guess that's the big question now. Maybe everybody raised their game. But guys, who are the? You know, think of two players that you thought two or three players you thought really did something special or perhaps surprised you. Um, Pat, think about, you know, tell me a, a couple of players that you thought had a special day. Well, I, I think I need to eat some crow on a couple of the guys I mentioned leading into this or have mentioned in the last several months. One of them, I mean, Peter Dahl, the guy, you know, I said I, I wasn't sure he could come out and steal ball against a team like the Mary All Blacks, and he did. He came out and had a couple of really uh, significant um, turnovers. Um, he was around the breakdown and playing on the fridge on that cusp of penalty or, or, or pestering the, uh, the Maori All Blacks, just like a seven supposed to. So, I mean, he, he had a massive step up and he's playing against his, 
essentially his home country. So um, I'm sure that helped inspire him a little bit too. Um, so, so I owe him a tip of the cap. Um, and I owe, you know, she- Seamus Kelly uh, played brilliantly defensively. I thought he had some very hard carries where he was just, uh, you know, a couple ounces away from being able to break through and make, make a, an impressive uh, line break. Um, but defensively, I was more impressed with him than anything. He made big tackles out in the open field. And obviously, if you miss a tackle, they were going to score. Um, and, and I thought he, he did phenomenally. The two guys that stepped up the most, though, in my opinion, were, were Nick Wallace and Cam Dolan. Cam Dolan got the man of the match. A lot's been said about him and written about him. The guy played extremely tough. He was perfect in the air, which is what everybody has said is, is a great attribute. But for me, the fact that he fronted up and was willing to tap and go and run at the All Blacks and showed his toughness and withstood it um, is the A number one thing from him. And then Nick Wallace, I don't know. I know Cam Dolan got the man of the match, but I don't know that anybody had a better performance than Nick Wallace. Nick Wallace was extremely effective in the pick and go game, had really good body position 99% of the time. He had one carry during the second half that kind of stood out as poor, but he was phenomenal in the pick and go, the pick and jam short game stuff. He was uh, incredible hustling on defense. I thought that's the best game I've seen Nick Wallace play ever. And uh, if he continues to play like that, I, I, it looks like the Eagles might have some answers in the front row. Yeah, well, Nick Wallace has been on an upward trajectory, which is uh, great to see. And yeah, you need depth there, don't you? A uh, couple of guys for me. Well, I'm, I'm going to pick this as a unit uh, because there was so much question about this, which is in the second row. And I think leading into the ARC, Bruce, you had some doubts, some significant doubts. I think they were fair doubts to have about who would be part of the, who would bolster that tight five. You said, you know, this, this is the tight five of the ARC could well be the bulk of the tight five going into these November tours. Well, Graham Harriman been playing. Okay. Playing a little bit better, playing, you know, really high work rate, but maybe not not making a massive impact every time he showed up someplace, but he was getting better and better and better. And this was his best game by far. Uh, making tackles, picking up and trucking the ball up, uh, just getting a few more meters, securing ball and and stealing a line out. And he just did so well. And Taitui Samoa, this is a guy we really, really needed, especially with uh, Samu Manoa not in there, is somebody who just intimidates defenses he he started the game he he received that first kickoff and he went right into them and challenged that defense and i think he's helped set the tone uh we're not going to see him against georgia because he's got to go home but we will see him against russia he really is a a really good player to have he's a basketball player hasn't played a ton of rugby in his time so he's 33 but he's not a worn down 33 i think we could have him for a while and i think the point made to me by a reader is that we shouldn't we shouldn't cross off players who are in their late 20s early 30s especially in certain forward positions just because we think maybe they're too old there's always going to be room for somebody to come in who's smart and still in shape and perhaps uses his experience to help him be a better international rugby player could take seven years for a player to be really really good uh, and and the other guy, I mean, I, I'm gonna, t- I'll, I'll take a shot a little bit. I was, I was defending Tim Maupin, and I think Tim Maupin played well. Uh, Tim Maupin did not prove me completely right, and I guess that's the reason why I sort of take a shot from that. Uh, I would have liked to, to see Tim 
uh, get the ball in a little bit of space and get moving and break a couple of tackles. That's what I wanted to see. Um, I don't think he really got that opportunity. I do think that he tried to get involved more. I would like to see him, like Luke Hume, get involved more in the middle of the field. Uh, he chased kicks well. He uh, forced a penalty on the restart that was a big penalty because that pr uh, helped produce, uh, you know, helped lead to a score for the for the USA. And then, of course, uh, what he also did was he had a he had a wide open hole and he dropped a ball that was uh, it was a short hard ball to him. And uh, you know, I I think. If anybody wants to admit that they've been in this situation on a rugby field, you know, you've had that happen to you where you see that hole and your eyes get wide and you think, I'm going to run through there. And you're not looking at the ball and it just bounces out of your hands. So it's a mistake. It's a mistake you know he's not going to make again or you hope he doesn't make again. You know he's going to think about that. But um, it's also a very high-profile mistake and people make mistakes in rugby games all the time. So I think it was, I th I think it was sort of a you know, a, a good rookie B performance from Tim Maupin, but I'll take it and see him move on. And I was really, really pleased with those second rows. Bruce, what did you see? I, I echo what both of you said on, on those, those other players, especially Peter Dahl and how well he played. But Adam Siddle played the game of his life. He was brilliant. I, and, and taking away the goal kicking, and, you know, assume those go through. But what he did, he made a cover tackle that was money, and it was an, a line break, and he just brought him down like he got like the guy got shot, and that was brilliant. And the other thing is, <clears throat> you can tell a good back three player that when they get the ball, you're immediately on attack. So instead of you don't know what's going to happen, he put the team immediately on attack, and I felt that was great. I really think that Adam Siddle had a breakout game, and it's going to be interesting how they how, what they do in, in in the subsequent tests. But he had a great game, and the other guy is probably a person that everybody knows, but his captaincy had been questioned, and in losing Scott Mavala and going into that game with the possibility of and and especially many people feeling that not having Ovala, some, uh, Samu Manoa and Chris Wiles and, and Blaine Scully, not to mention the, the injured players, and then losing Toby pro pretty much 40 minutes in. He, he got hurt right when he went down the first time and just kept on playing. I'd have to say that the captaincy of Todd Clever was really showcased there. You have to lead from the front to be able to get your guys to believe – that they can play like that and be in a situation with a three points down against the Maori All Blacks, a team that beat them 74 to six last time they played and have the ball just around the 22 yard line with three minutes to go. That is a pretty fair effort as a captain that showed great leadership and it showed the ability to galvanize a team and bring them together for a common purpose and I think that that kind of thing let some of those players who were in the ARC <clears throat> step up their game to international level. I think there were other factors that went into it too, but what Todd did is he had a buy-in. And when he bought in, I, speaking to Phil Bailey, he told me that Clever bought in immediately to what they were trying to do. And once Clever bought in, everybody bought in. 
And so he had no problems with the fence. And that, I think, was a real watershed moment for Todd in that he's been a great captain. And there's been times that, you know, things didn't go great all this summer and he can blame a lot of things. But <clears throat> in a big moment, in a big stage, when he needed to produce under the cosh, under the gun, he did. And he did a fantastic job of it. And I think it brought out the best in everybody. And that's what great captains do. They bring out the best in the players around them. And, and I think that was a, that's the thing that really stood out to me more than anything. And on top of Siddle's play, it was brilliant. But <clears throat> that stood out to me incredibly. I would agree with that. And I, I'd ask you real quick, um, do you think that moving Clever to six and putting Dolan in at eight helped Clever? And just in terms of his play? He, he sort of had a little, perhaps a little bit more freedom to roam around and just uh, uh, do the things that he can do. Well, first, Cam is, Cam is really gifted at the base of the scrum. And I, I think that Dan Payne had a lot of, got a lot of tips from Brian Vizard when he was at, was it, when he was with Ombak as to how to play eight. And he's transferred a lot of those to Cam. And, and Cam is really good at the base. Todd's good at the base too, but Todd, as a six, is much more able to play his game. He could be. He he has a lot more flexibility in what he does, and he's also not getting crunched into stuff when the scrum's under pressure and being taken out of play. So, I think that that definitely helped Todd's game quite a bit. It also allows him to be more a part of the defensive effort and more a part of the attacking effort in second and third phase. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it was a a benefit to his game, no doubt. Well, we've got some... Those players are, are coming back in to play against Georgia, with the exception of Tai Tui Samoa. We talk about the players that we lost. Uh, Scott Lavala uh, not taking any further p- part in the tour. Uh, a neck injury that he's dealing with. Uh, Toby Lestrange, uh, tendons in the foot unable to barely able to walk let alone run he's done so they're going to find a new fly half um but we also have some additions uh and we'll talk about those additions when we come back here on rugby matrix america hey fans go to rugbyimports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs whether you're kitting out your team with our american-made jerseys stocking up on training supplies or just getting a new pair of boots rugby imports has all you need for on the field and off Go to RugbyImports.com. So we're back here at Rugby Matrix America. We are talking about the USA national team. A really nice performance against the New Zealand Maori. A game they could have won, but they didn't win. And now they're looking for the rankings test matches against Georgia in Tbilisi and then against Russia in London. And these are games they really need to win. Just get off the schneid for, uh, for one thing, but also... It helps them with the rankings. Georgia defeated Canada this past weekend, 1915, in a really chippy match. Seems there was a full-blown fist fight in the middle of it. I would call it chippy. Eagles go in there, and guys, uh, we've got a bunch of additional players. Uh, Chris Wilds comes in. Does he go in at fullback or center? Uh, Samu Manoa comes in. Probably a straight swap with Tai Tui Samoa. Put him in at second row. Uh those are two key additions. Blaine Scully can play fullback, can play wing, can play center. What do we do with him? So 
Uh, Pat Clifton, tell us a little bit about what you think you'd like to see from those guys. And do you think because everybody's playing so well, there are no changes? Or do, you, do we think that there should be changes going into the Georgia game? Well, I think you have to look at um, Peter Dahl. Peter Dahl's not available this weekend, correct? Right. Right. So someone's got to step in for him. Um, do you shift things around and, and move Todd? To, I mean, do you, do you mess with the – do you just plug in John Quill in the back row? Or do you shift things around where you can also have Simon Manoa in the back row and uh, and plug in John Cullen in, in the second row? I'm not exactly sure. I, I think – I think you probably go with John Quill, um, straight swap for Peter Dahl, and you probably go, as you said, Manoa straight swap for for um, Tui Samoa. Manoa's going to be in the starting lineup one way or another, um, and that makes sense to me. Uh, John Cohen, maybe it's not the best opportunity or time to throw him straight into the fire. Um, so so you, you let him come off the bench in his, in his first cap, probably. But, um, yeah, those are the two big things. And I, Blaine Scully needs to find a way on the field. The guy can play wing just as much as he can play fullback. I would expect to see him sub in for Tim Maupin. And I think you can put um, Chris Wiles in the centers. Uh, and I think that they will put Chris Wiles in the centers and, and leave Adam Siddle at fullback. Siddle's boot uh, is extremely important. And when you're going into a game that you think is going to be close, um, I mean, I no one's kicked since I've been paying attention to the Eagles as well as Adam Siddle. So I think you got to have his boot on the field. And, and that's why you'll see him at 15. 10. Yeah, leaves fly half out open a little bit. I like Flaunyua. Um I think that he, he's he's a good ten. He's an experienced ten, very skilled, strong, tough guy. Um, the only, I mean, I, I think if it's not Flaunyua, it is Adam Siddle, and then you could, you know, shift what I just said about the D three around a little bit. But to me, Flaunyua is the best ten on the team, even if Toby's healthy. Not to kick a guy while he's down, but um, I, I think you give him and. You take the good with the bad with Flaunia, and you're going to get more good than bad. Bruce, so Pat wants to perhaps not fix it if it's not broken, uh, uh, except when you know, sort of, your hand is forced. What do you think about uh, the idea of, say, not moving Siddle because Siddle played so well? Uh, maybe, I mean, Pat, you, I, I think you just said start Tim Moppin and bring Scully in on the bench, off the bench, rather than start Scully. It was interesting. No, no, no. I said start Scully. Um, okay. wing, I misunderstood. Start Wiles at outside center. Bring you can bring Shane Kelly off the or Seamus Kelly off the bench. But I would absolutely start Schooley on okay. the wing. All right, I misunderstood you there, uh, Bruce. What do you think? I'm not certain what they're going to do, and I'm not going to make a a whole lot of predictions as to what they're going to do. I do think that Scully's boot being on the field, as far as out of hand, he can kick it 60 yards in the air. He can kick the plastic off the ball, and they definitely need that. The thing that the thing for me leading into the Georgia game that's most critical is their preparation. So they would have flown out on Sunday night. They get into Germany on Monday. They get into Georgia pretty much. They were able to have a practice yesterday and which is Tuesday, and then they're then they're really got to prepare Wednesday and Thursday. And they got to put all their systems in. There's a couple of things that they've changed. And they got to get everybody lined up and know what positions they were going to use. So they they have to know what it is. I, I don't know what it is, so I'm not keeping a secret. I don't know what it is. I just, but I'm I'm not going to predict what it should be. I, I do think that having Scully's boot on the field is critical for an out of hand. Whether or not they go with Siddle or Falau at at, uh, at fly half, I, I would I would prefer Falau myself. But that's 
that's just my take on it. I, there's there's also defensive components to it <clears throat> that I haven't I don't know anything about what what the best choice would be there. And and Siddle definitely gives you a better kicking game than Falau does. But he Falau is electric. I, he he is unbelievable. But to me, the biggest thing is going to be preparation. And are they going to be able to prepare themselves optimally to execute in scrums, lineouts, restarts, which they've been brilliant at, and defense, and especially the kickoff restarts. I think that the the kick receipt restarts, we're either going to have to get a better chase or fight through the blockers or do something. But I think you know catching the ball on a box kick, we we we're starting to find out that that's something's got to change for for. <laughs> Because catch the ball and, and, and lay a box kick hasn't necessarily been working to 100% success for us, uh, and and that's putting it mildly. So I think that we gotta we gotta think about our restart strategy. So th- I think there's a couple things that they need to do organizationally, and that's gonna be the key. And are they gonna be able to get this team to get together and galvanize and play as tough in Tbilisi as they did? on home soil with a decent preparation time where guys had time to, there wasn't a big acclimation. Now there's going to be a bit of jet lag, a bit of fatigue and a bit of, you know, there's going to be a lot of recovery going on and, and there's going to be, most of this stuff is going to be done in a meeting room and walkthroughs and not going to be able to go as full tilt. So it's going to be interesting to see how their preparation is. I think it's going to be good. I think that, it's, I was fortunate enough to speak to some of the coaches and players after the game, um, and they are very excited about how professional the setup is, how switched on the guys are, <clears throat> how clued in people are, and how they're starting to play for a purpose. And now it's just going to be a matter of putting that purpose into victories because they're 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 uh. I think we're ready for the breakout. It's 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 happening. I see a lot of similarities to what happened in, when when Mike and I coached our first two years in the Super League, and we were two and eleven, and made a couple changes and turned things around. And there was more cultural changes than anything else. And I think that they seem to got that. They seem to be getting that to where they want it to be. And I think we're going to see some good rugby. I really do. Well, I think we will too, and I, you know, I, I hope that we don't get uh, the Georgia and Russia games degenerated into just a, a slugfest, um, and and maybe we can see some of the things they're working on offensively just sort of come to fruition. I think that would be great, and then we need to find a way to build on it um, and go forward. So we're all trying to build that's, on it and go forward. That's the key. I mean. This game, the thing that it reminds me most of is what happened in, in June. You know, we go and we play Ireland in front of a packed crowd. Um, a wonderful atmosphere. Everybody's happy to be there. Guys are pumped up, and they're really playing their hearts out. We lose by three to a team that we had no business losing by three to. Um, very much like the Maori All Blacks. Two games where we punched above our weight. And what happened? We crumble, and we go 0-6 the rest of the summer, and now 0-7 the rest of the season. So... They need to not respond the way that they did after the Ireland game and really build on it. And um, it's either going to come out as we're really good on our home soil, we're pumped up and playing, 
but elsewhere we, we're not as inspired, or it's going to be that they are building on something because this is a good giant. This is a nice step forward, but if it uh, we immediately recede again, um, it's not a building block. It's just a, a good moment. The difference, the slight difference between the Ireland game and these games going forward, and I agree with you 100% and on your assessment, is that we're bringing in the cavalry now, whereas after the Ireland game, we took away the cavalry. And the cavalry being Samuel Manoa. Plus, that those guys are going to be playing the rest of the way as opposed to not playing. And I think that's going to be a boost to what is probably a slightly tired squad. And, and I think that'll be helpful. I think it will. And it's great to see some of those stars come back in. Like you said, build on something good. Uh, we're all trying to build on something good. We appreciate you listening to us and for Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, this is Alex Goff. Reminding you to check out the iTunes store for Rugged Matrix International as well as Rugged Matrix America and also check out your app store for Rugby Magazine and check out RugbyMag.com. Thanks a lot for listening to Rugga Matrix America. Thank you.